All right, that was a little bit more from Holly Miranda with Come On. And uh, standing by to join me is my last guest, author Ann Hood. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. I have to tell you something funny. I'm looking at uh, the Sunday paper yesterday, and I'm looking at the parade section. I've got to hear <laughs> There you are. Beatlemania is back. I love this. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> Fantastic. It's great that we're talking today because it's Paul McCartney's birthday. Ah, happy birthday, Paul. I wish he was listening. <laughs> yeah, if you're out there, Paul, I'm still waiting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> You are so funny. Now, you've written several books. What led you to finally write about this true love, you know, back in the 60s? <laughs> well, it was interesting. I have a wonderful editor at Penguin uh, named Francesco Sedita, mm-hmm. and he told me they were starting this new imprint of YA books, and to, if I ever had an idea to let him know, I took that as kind of a challenge. Okay. And so I thought, as I did, uh, as I do with all my adult books as well, what is it that I wanted when I was 10 that I couldn't get? I mean, that's what <laughs> books are basically about. Some, a character wants something she can't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I asked the question about when I was 10, the answer came immediately. I wanted Paul McCartney, and I couldn't get him. So I said, now is the time to write a book about a kid like me in 1966, who wants nothing more than to meet Paul McCartney. Happily, Francesco and Penguin liked the idea, and I was able to dive back into that time period and write about Beatlemania. I love it. And like I said, it was so ironic, because here I was reading this article, and I thought, this sounds just like Ann Hood. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. I love it. So give the listeners a little backstory into, you know, how this, obviously, we know how it came about. How did you blend this whole, you know, idea into this book? Well, I wanted to write a character who, because I think that she's 10 years old and that middle school time when you don't know how to, who's cool and who's not, and it kind of matters. And she has started the very first Beatles fan club in the school, and at first it was the most popular fan club. Mm -hmm. But a couple of years have passed, and... The kids are all at that point where some have discovered boys and some have discovered makeup and some have discovered the Rolling Stones. And (laughs) suddenly it's not the coolest thing to love the Beatles. And she's left with only three members, none of whom she wants to be friends with. And she's struggling with who she is and who her best friend is now and where she fits into the world, which, you know, that's a struggle we have for a long time. And, uh, the one true thing she has is her love of the Beatles, and ultimately that love is what kind of gets her through that difficult period, and she becomes, um, she follows her dream of trying to meet them, and, and she gets hope and a better sense of self because of it. Um, it is a, a theme that I write about even in adult books, you know, who are we, right? and how do we fit into the world, and it was really fun uh, to use the Beatles and, and to revisit um, that time in my life when, like, they were the most important thing I had. <laughs> of course. And what you touch on is you, you, you went back to something that was so joyful, and we lose yeah. touch with that. What, and it was a very simple question. What made me the most happy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remembered something that I had long forgotten, which is I had Beatles dolls, you know, four Aww. separate dolls <laughs> made out of plastic with big rubber heads and <laughs> creepily almost authentic hair. And I would line them up on my bureau and I would play a Beatles record and I would sit in a chair and pretend I was at a concert. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but like to remember things like that, that had been tucked away, it just I, every day writing this book made me smile. Now, have you seen Paul McCartney perform, you know, recently? 
I have never seen him perform. Uh, I glimpsed him once in New Orleans at the Mardi Gras. The crowd sort of, and I, it was 1975, and the crowd said, Paul McCartney's on that balcony. And I looked up, and, you know, this little dot of a person yeah. with his wife and kid, but it was, it was almost enough. Yeah, <laughs> Finally, exactly. I glimpsed him, you know. And, you know, because sometimes we just want to hold on to that image when we were younger. Yeah, you know, I think uh, what was kind of wonderful about my relationship with the Beatles is that um, I saw them that first night on Ed Sullivan. I was only seven, um, and they seemed so young. They were. Paul was 21 that night. Mm -hmm. Um, But they they had those bright smiles, and they were very clean-cut looking, and they sang songs about wanting to hold someone's hand. You know, it was very sweet and just what I needed. And as I grew up, they changed, and their music changed and became more complex and addressed more complicated themes, and I could grow up along with them, which was really kind of nice. And then, then, you know, uh, ultimately I turned my kids into Beatles fans, so I had the opportunity to rediscover them. So they've kind of, they've held my hand my whole life, you know. Oh, I love it. Uh, You know, because I remember hearing certain songs when I was younger, and when I hear them on the radio, I flash back to that time. Isn't it funny? You can almost remember what you were wearing or, like, yeah. who you were with. Yeah. And uh, we, get, we get to go back like that. It's just uh, such a gift, really. It is. I mean, I always have a, I've always had a strong connection to music. So when I hear the, the song Something by the Beatles, yeah. oh, it just grabs me, you know, in many ways. And I reflect back to being five and hearing it. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. I love that. And I think Beatles music, because there's so much of it, although they only were together for six years. That was a fact that I guess I knew, but I kind of relearned it when I was researching the book. And I thought, for six years, by the time Paul McCartney was 27, he left this legacy of songs that we're talking about today. And that still affects us. Are you musical? (laughs) Not at all. Here's a real tragedy. I know the words to every Beatles song. You know, trust me on that. Mm-hmm. When I sing, my kids put their hands over their ears and say, please don't. We beg you. You're funny. <laughs> but I, I sing along in the car. <laughs> I ask that because um, I play guitar, and there are times when I, I think, I really want to learn that song by the Beatles. And because they're, they're fairly easy to learn, you just have to, you know, put the work, you know, depending how uh, right. skilled you are. But it's really great to learn their songs, whether it's piano, uh, guitar, or anything. Yeah. You know, my son says that. He, he le- started guitar lessons. Not, not, uh, the Beatles had a little bit to do with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it took him a while to learn Beatles songs. He thought they were, they were not like beginning songs. But now when he takes out that guitar, he's, you know, he can play them beautifully. And I love it. I oh, love it. Great. I wish I had that talent. I would say they're more intermediate because they are a little complicated with the, you know, the soloing and everything. But it's really a wonderful uh, thing to do if you can do it. Um, yeah. I, I love how your book comes with um, a playlist. Um, yes, yes. That was fun. <laughs> how did you decide was, on those songs? Oh, it was, it was so hard. I mean, you know, um, since the book is out, people have been asking me, what's your favorite Beatles song? And oh my goodness, it's, it's an impossible question to answer. And coming up with that playlist was almost as impossible. But I just, I just tried to pick songs that had meaning from different uh, parts of my life and different kinds of meanings. So it was a nice, well-rounded list, you know, uh, it, because it's impossible to choose. I could probably have made 10 playlists. Right. Well, let me just mention, um, eight days a week, I saw her standing there in my life, 
Love Me Do, I Will, Yesterday, Nowhere Man, I'll Follow the Sun, It's Only Love, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, She Loves You. Great. Oh, I wish we could hear them all right now. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of these uh, will give you flashbacks to a certain point in your life. Oh, absolutely. I, and that's what I tried to do. I tried to cover not just early Beatles, which, of course, that's what the book covers, because it takes place in 1966. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to sort of round it out so that it covered, really, my Beatles. You know, I will is from the White Album, so uh, She Loves You from an early album. So I wanted just, I don't know, every every time you said one of the titles, I just got a little flash, you know, of why I I loved it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, And when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, you know, I was so young. Um, I would say I wrote my first short story when I was eight. Um, And actually, there's kind of a Beatles connection because it came about after a play date gone wrong with the most popular girl in class, whose name was Michelle Kincaid. And she was so popular, she told us the Beatles had written the song Michelle for her. (laughs) And I believed it. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And, you know... She was just, you know, kind of one of those queen bee girls, and I was the quirky kid with the glasses reading a book in the back of the classroom. So the play date did not go well. I'm and when sorry. I got home, I felt so bad that I, I put my feelings down in a story. Oh, I love it. And uh, it made me feel better. Yeah. And so I began writing these little stories. Um, in fact, I still have a couple of them. Oh. Uh, you know, longhand lined notebook paper. And mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of, with that first story, thought, I could do this forever. You know, I mean, Perfect. I didn't say I want to be a writer, but I thought yeah. this helped. I like doing this. Sure. Well, and um, as you know, as I got older, I did all the things writers do—the school newspaper and on and on—and mm-hmm. here I am. <laughs> I think it's great. I was going to say the name of my show is "Get the Funk Out." Yeah. And I find that writing is so cathartic, and it helps me process a lot of things in life. They're very tough, whether it's loss, you know, career, personal, anything. It really has yeah. helped me. I agree. I mean, I feel very lucky that I discovered that at such a young age and that small things from, you know, uh, problems with girlfriends when you're 10 or 12 to boyfriend problems when you're a little bit older to the bigger things in life that, you know, come our way inevitably. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I, I had that gift and, and that I can use writing to sort of help me understand the world in which I'm living. Do you have specific books you've written that have helped you deal with certain things? Oh, absolutely. Um, my novel, The Knitting Circle, um, I wrote after the loss of my five-year-old daughter in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, Grace, died from a virulent form of strep throat. Oh, so and sorry. I didn't write for two years. I couldn't. The loss was too enormous, and I was so paralyzed by yes. it. Uh, what I did in those two years was learn how to knit at the advice of some very wonderful friends. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I discovered that knitting helped me through that time. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could teach everyone to knit when they had a difficult time? And knowing that was impossible, I did what I knew how to do, which was write a book about seven women in a knitting circle who come together at tough times in their life and through knitting uh, help each other get through it. Um, So the knitting circle to me was a really important book. Uh, for me, because it was the first time I wrote again after several years, but yeah. also it explored such big topics of grief and loss, but also hope and recovery. But look what look what you did and, and how that helps so many people. So I think it's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a, a double gift because 
I'm still a knitting fanatic, and mm-hmm. uh, a whole new community of people has opened up to me, the wonderful knitters out there who, who understand that gift, and many, many knitters are readers, and so uh, there's this nice intersection, and I bet many of them are Beatles fans, too. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> if they aren't, they're going to be now. So where, where can people find out more about you? Uh, my website is www.anhood.us. And there's a button on there called Contact, and if you hit it, you can email me directly. I'd love to hear what you think of the book, The Beatles Knitting, or any of, any of those things. Fantastic. And it has been great having you back on the show. Well, not back on the show, on the show. And uh, <laughs> whenever you write any other, other books, new books, I'd love to have you back on. Thank you so much. It's wonderful talking to you. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. That was Ann Hood talking about her latest book, She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One girl, one band, and the concert that changed the world. That's a wrap for me. I'm Janine. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And I will be back next week. Have a great day, everyone.